It's mostly cloudy and 8 degrees in downtown Calgary. Good morning from Global News. It's 9 o'clock. I'm Megan Cobb. Starting tomorrow, an additional 12 beds will open at the South Health Campus to ease some of the pressure on hospitals caused by COVID-19. The unit is prepared for overflow capacity and will mostly be for patients ready to be discharged, but who may need some extra monitoring. There are plans to open 12 more spaces if needed. Right now, 110 patients are in need of intensive care, compared to the 257 we saw at the peak of the fourth wave. Additional beds will also open tomorrow at the K. Edmonton Clinic. A Calgary hitchhiker was killed last year and his sister is speaking out. But first, 770 CHQR helicopter traffic. I am over in the southwest by the Old Children's Hospital looking at 29th Street at 17th Avenue where there is supposed to be a westbound lane closure but the road is opened up this morning and it is going to be going on and off until June. And getting your flu shot at the pharmacy? Help protect yourself against pneumococcal pneumonia at the same time. Ask if Prevnar 13 is right for you. Learn more at Prevnar.ca. From the 770 CHQR traffic helicopter, I'm Vanessa Arate. The sister of a Calgary man who was stabbed to death last year is angry with what she calls the weak sentence her brother's killer is facing. On October 6, 2020, Dave Bodden was hitchhiking on Memorial Drive. Shortly after being picked up, he was stabbed by Ronita Wildman, a passenger in the vehicle. In court this past week, the Crown Prosecutor and Defense Counsel put forward a joint submission for a three-year sentence, which combined with credit for time already served would see Wildman serve less than another 18 months. Global News spoke with Jennifer Bodden as she recalled getting the news of her brother's death. Of course, we were devastated. I mean, I spent two months crying every day and... The judge hearing the case is expected to make a decision on sentencing next month. Members of Calgary's Ukrainian community gathered at the Peace Bridge yesterday to show support as tensions between the Ukraine and Russia continue to grow. The spread of COVID-19 meant organizers from the Ukrainian-Canadian Congress kept the gathering small, but those that were in attendance said even with fewer people, it was important to have their voices heard. Stephanie Savin, an executive member of the Calgary branch of the Congress, attended the rally. We have struggled for centuries to get the Russian boot off our throats and it happens over and over again every time we think there's some sort of a respite. It's estimated Russia has nearly 100,000 troops near the Ukrainian border and there is concern that an invasion is imminent. Avalanche Canada is warning that recent warm weather is increasing the risk in mountain parks. It says warming temperatures combined with persistent weak layers in mountain snowpacks make natural and human-triggered avalanches much more likely. The warning for southern BC and western Alberta, including Glacier, Banff, Yoho, and Kootenai National Parks, has also been extended to the South Rockies and Lizard Range regions. Deep in the South Pacific, scientists have explored a rare stretch of pristine corals shaped like roses off the coast of Tahiti. Chuck Sivertson reports. 
The reef is thought to be one of the largest found at such depths, two miles long and seems untouched by climate change or human activities. Just diving for fun months ago in the area, Leticia Hedouin of the French National Center for Scientific Research saw the corals and her reaction was, wow. She says the corals looked healthy. Corals are tiny animals that grow and form reefs in oceans. Globally, the reefs have been depleted from overfishing, pollution and climate change. Chuck Sievertson, ABC News. Taking a look at sports, the Calgary Flames fell 5-3 to the Oilers last night, snapping a seven-game losing streak for Edmonton. Leon Dreisaitl had two goals and two assists in the win, while Miko Koskinen was solid in the Edmonton net, making 44 saves. In other NHL action, the Jets are in Pittsburgh for a matinee, matinee game. The Ottawa Senators take on the Columbus Blue Jackets, and the Vancouver Canucks host the St. Louis Blues. Global News Sky Tracker weather... A mix of sun and cloud and a high of 7 degrees today, partly cloudy overnight, cooling down to zero. A few flurries tomorrow with the temperature staying around that zero mark and sunny and 8 on Tuesday. It's 8 degrees at 9.05. Breaking news when it happens, our next update at 9.30. I'm Megan Cobb. You are listening to 630 Ched in Edmonton and 770 CHQR in Calgary. My name is Joe Gadbois. I'm the Perennials Department Manager at Greenland Garden Centre here in Sherwood Park. And I'm Bob Stadnick. I manage the Annuals Department and the Tropical Houseplant Department at Greenland as well. Yeah, so we are filling in for Merle from Spruce It Up Garden Center for Calgary's Let's Talk Gardening show, and we're very happy to do that. Merle will be back next week. But for now, you've got us, and we are here, as always, to answer your gardening questions. If you are in Edmonton, the numbers to call are 780-496-0063 or toll-free at 1-800-663-0630. And for Calgary, it's 403 943- 974-8255 and of course we'll still be taking a look at your texts as well. So Bob, the weather is much improved up here in Edmonton. It has improved substantially. There uh, there's a lot of ice out there, I tell you. We've never seen we've never had so much freezing rain up in this area that I can remember. And uh, as far as you know what we, you and I are discussing before we got on the air about its effects on the the uh, our plants out in the in our in our gardens, uh, you know, trees, shrubs, perennials, that sort of thing. It's going to be very interesting uh, because a lot of the uh, uh, the weather in the fall was really good in terms of uh, allowing the plants to ripen off, and they had you know the the, the uh, uh, everything that was deciduous lost its leaves in good time, and the weather cooled down. But then we've had all these sort of um, you know. Uh, I guess upswings with uh, and, and downswings with all the weather that we have had, and it's going to be interesting in terms of anything that is woody. So any shrubs, any trees, anything that's about a zone four to five. If you have something like that in your yard, it's going to be very interesting to see how they will survive this type of winter. I, I think that the perennials will be fine because they've, we've had and we still do have a really good snow cover at the present time. So I think that, uh, you know, on the perennial side of things, I think uh, we'll be okay. What do you think, Joe? 
Well, I'm certainly hoping so, Bob. Um, definitely the snow cover is always what we're kind of hoping for, right? And uh, with perennials, we tend to be able to bend the rules a little bit in terms of what we can and can't grow just because they're not exposed the same way as woody plants are, like you were saying. So uh, here's to hoping. We'll see how it turns out. It's, it's, it's been such a tumultuous winter in terms of the upswings and downswings, and we've, we've had extreme cold and we've had warm spells and it's just it's it's been crazy but it it seems like that's going to be kind of the norm <laughs> because we've sort of had that the last few years that's right it sure looks like it's in it's indicating that at the present time so uh you know we're hoping for the best let's hope hopeful you know for the rest of the winter that we don't deal with this sort of stuff if the weather could somehow just kind of you know even out that would be great it would be good good on us too not only the plants <laughs> you know uh, but I don't know what, uh, what, what the conditions are like down in Calgary. Uh, I know it's been extremely mild and I don't know what the snow cover is like down there. So, uh, they have more challenges down there than we do up here, uh, and, you know, to, to try to grow things. So it, it it's going to be very interesting. I mean, you know, as, as, uh, spring approaches, we're going to hear a lot from our customers, uh, you know, get a lot of feedback as to, you know, how their gardens have survived. And then, you know, then we can always, uh, uh let all of you, the listeners know. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that would be good. I'd be very interested to hear what the weather has been like down in Calgary. And in the meantime, before we head to our first break, we do have a call from Diane who had a question regarding fertilizer. Hello, Diane. Hi. How are you? Uh, we're pretty good. How are you? I'm fine, thanks question is to do with fertilizing those fertilizer sticks. I bought a package of Miracle Grove uh, fertilizer sticks for general plants and right. I put them into it says that when they're four to six inch pots to put in two. I did mm -hmm. and in the and I've been regularly watering. Now my prayer plants in particular are really taking a hit. Uh, in the last uh, 10 days, I've got leaves that are beginning to turn yellow and fall off. Ah, okay. And it seems mm -hmm. like they were really flourishing before I gave them the fertilizer sticks. So, Well, there's a couple of things. Uh, you, it's it's a, still a little bit too early to fertilize. You can almost you can start thinking about it now. I'd say beginning of February is the best time to start fertilizing. However, you have mm -hmm. used the sticks, which uh, break down very, very slowly. So... That I don't think is really what's causing the problem. Prayer plants okay. are very, very sensitive to overwatering. And what oh. happens is they, the minute that they get that there's a little root rot on there, immediately the leaves start yellowing. And that's, that's okay. probably all that it is. It wouldn't be the fertilizer. Uh, house plants right now in general are just, are starting to wake up. You can almost hear them yawning basically. You know, they're just starting to wake up. So, uh, this is just, we're just kind of on the cusp of, of starting to fertilize and, you know, uh, you know, with, with something like a, like a tri triple 20, so, something, mm -hmm. uh, powder that you mix with water and, and give them a shot. But, um, you're with the prayer plant, it definitely will be in overwatering for sure. Okay. All right. So is there anything I can do to correct this or just trim off the yellow leaves and let it continue to dry out? Uh, yeah, you could uh, definitely remove those leaves that are turning yellow and get in there with your hand and just loosen up that soil. That's very important because that will get some okay. air down into the roots and help to dry it out a little quicker. Another okay. thing you can do, take the plant out of the pot. If you can pop it out of the pot, 
take a yeah. look at the root system. If you pull on a root, if you can loop, find a root and pull on it, if the mm -hmm. outer layer of the root mm -hmm. comes right off and you're left with a, something very, very thin, like the thinness of a hair, then you definitely have got root rot. So okay. in that case, the, the key right now would be to dry it out. Uh, mm -hmm. Don't water it sometimes, even could even be something like two weeks, but you want to okay. get loosen that soil, get some air down into the root system, and uh, it should rebound because it's a, okay. uh, from what you've said, it's a large plant. Okay. Now tell me something. Should I go around and dig out all the little sticks I put in 10 days ago or just leave them? Like I've got the I would take, plants too. Yeah, I would take them out for now. Because the plant okay. is here, you're basically wasting the fertilizer right now. So give it to some some other plants that, um, you know, that are really actively growing. Okay, that sounds great. Thank you very much. Have a good day. Okay. Thank All you right. so much Bye -bye. for calling, Diane. Bye. All right. And with that, we are going to go to our first sponsor break. Again, the numbers to call for 630CHED are 780-496-0063 or for CHQR, it's 403-974-8255. We'll be back after this. Good morning and welcome back to the show. You are listening to 630CHED in Edmonton and 770CHQR in Calgary. My name is Joe Gadbois from Greenland Garden Centre and I'm here with Bob Stadnick, also from Greenland Garden Centre. Uh, the numbers to call or text for 630CHED are 780-496-0063, toll free at 1-800-663-0630, in Calgary, 403-974-8255. And just want to let everybody know, if you're just tuning in, we are filling in for Merle from Spruce It Up Garden Center in Calgary. He'll be back with you next weekend. Now, Bob, we did have some texts come in over the break. The first one here says, good day, two questions, please. Would you repeat the recommended use of mosquito pucks for indoor plants to control gnats? And also, can I plant this sprouted white onion in a pot and use the greens? Thanks a bunch. That's from Ed. All right, then, Ed. Uh, yes, couple. I can get your uh, answer your questions here really quick. Uh, mosquito pucks, definitely really a good choice for controlling fungus gnats in, in your house plants. Uh, fungus gnats, they hatch in the soil and if they love a wet environment. So if you... If you're watering your plants a bit too much, that's where the breeding ground is. So what you're going to need to do there is uh, mix some of the mosquito pucks with water and preferably warm water. They will dissolve a lot quicker. You may have to smash them up, obviously, before and stir up the water well and, and uh, before you, you uh, water your house plants. You do this on the next watering, so you don't want to do a uh, special watering just for that. So just in, with your regular routine of watering, that's what you want to do. And it will take, I would say, probably two to three months for the populations to really drop off. You can also use, they're called sticky sticks. They're these uh, yellow sticky strips that uh, they come in a, in a package. And you put these in your, uh, in probably usually about two to three per pot. They have like a little, a little stick that comes with them. And you just basically fold this, these things over and uh, put them in your pots. 
And as far as your sprouted white onion that you have in a pot, definitely, you know, you can continue to uh, use the greens for sure. That's not a problem. In fact, you can even, uh, with the onions, just to keep that that um, uh, reserve of, of fresh green onions uh, going, the best thing that you can do is uh, keep it, keep them fertilized and just keep on growing and keep on harvesting. Probably about once every two weeks, you'll have enough uh, uh, to cut for your um, uh, salads and things. Very, very good. Yeah. And then we also had a text from Jennifer and she sent in a picture of one of her alocasia leaves and just wondering about some lightning or discoloration on the edge of the leaves. Jennifer, from what I can tell in the photo, that's normal actually for that plant. They do have a little bit of a lighter margin on the foliage. If you do get browning on the margins of the leaves, that's usually due to low humidity and can also be caused if the plant is uh, drying out a bit too much between watering. And especially if you notice them wilting a bit between watering, you will start to get browning on the foliage. But uh, like I say, from what I can see in the photo, that looks normal to me. What do you think, Bob? Yeah, I totally agree, Joe. Uh, one, the one thing you have to be very careful with on uh, alocasia is with the one that the particular species that you have in your photo, if they are allowed to get too dry, you will have browning on the edges of the leaves. But however, in your photo that you sent us, uh, it looks fine. It, I wouldn't even worry about it. The main thing is uh, those those specific species of alocasia, they're not like the, uh, the giant leafy things that we grow in pots outside on our decks, uh, which requires, you know, lots of water. And, uh, you know, these guys are a little bit more... Um, a little more fussy in terms of the hate to all the hate excess moisture. You want to have that fine sort of medium right in, right in the middle. You want to kind of meet the watering requirements down the center. So you don't want them too wet. You don't want them too dry. So that's where the old finger test comes in. And, uh, that, that seems to, uh, that'll, that'll be sort of your telltale sign better than any kind of uh, water meter. There you go. Very good. And I believe we have a caller on the line. We have Helen this morning. Uh, hi there. Hi, Helen. How are you? Oh, I'm confused. I'm confused. I hope you can help me. Um, I have two big spruce trees in my backyard. They're about 50 years old. And a lot of needles fall all the time, you know. And I'm just by myself, and I'm thinking, where where do I go with all these needles that I rake up? I thought, oh, I know what I'll do. I'll just put them around. They're like they're like two oval spruce trees, about five feet apart. But now they've kind of joined together. But I thought I'll just put these needles right back under the two spruce trees. And uh, I've been doing that for about the last ten years, believe it or not. Now. I've noticed this year um, little pieces of the spruce needles themselves, about about an inch long. When when it's windy, they're flying off the tree. They're all over the yard. I thought maybe the squirrels were were biting them off, but there's way too many. And then I thought I'll go look on Google. And it seems to me I've been doing this all wrong. I've been honing up these needles around the trees, making it look nice and neat, keeping it off the grass, because I didn't know where to go with them, like to put them in the green bin. They're, they're pretty heavy because they're also mixed with soil when I rake them up. So I'm thinking, am I choking? I'm choking the spruce tree because it said uh, spruce trees should have their 
the ground bare. For, their, their roots should be kind of exposed. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, it's it's okay if you have a little bit of a, you know, layer of needles under there. But if you're piling tons and tons of needles under there every year and you end up with, you know, several inches or more of needles, that can be I've got like sure. I've got like 12 or 14 inches. I've been doing this about oh. 10 years. No one has said anything to me. I mean, I live here alone. But yeah, that's how it is now. And I'm thinking... I'm going to get my son or hire somebody to take them all off. And maybe, maybe that is stuff is good compost after all these years. I don't know. You, you that tell definitely, me what to do. Yeah, that definitely is way too much needles under there. Definitely. Yeah. Okay. So what you can do, you have a, yard, a huge yard, do you? Uh, it's, it's pretty huge. And I live, I live beside an alley. And um, I could just as easy push the needles more. I have a chain link fence beside these trees. I could mm-hmm. just push all these needles away from the roots, the main the main trunk, and maybe leave it like that because I don't know where to go with them. And I don't know if they're maybe even good, like they're pretty old. Underneath might be good compost for something. I don't know. Well, that's kind of the direction I'm, I'm heading with this, with your okay. question. I'm, I'm sort of thinking that, uh, like you, if you can use it, you can add that, add it to your flower beds, but not too much. You I have a rock sprinkle. garden. I, yeah, I have a oh, rock garden. Okay. It's all, yeah. it's all rock gardens. You have no, uh, vegetable uh, garden. You don't have flower beds, I, anything like that. Yeah. I, no, I, I don't have any vegetable garden, but I have a okay. few flowers along the fence, maybe a thin layer, you think? Mm-hmm. All over. You can, yeah, you can, you can work some of that, but you don't want to go to, with too much. You can probably put no. about a couple of inches or so, and just because you said it's also got soil mixed in too. Yes. So yeah. you can actually uh, dig that in uh, with okay. your and you you know serve it as or use it rather as compost to a degree. But uh, you are going to have a lot left over. So uh, you probably the best thing for you is to you know maybe compost it or or even or just let the city take it away. That might be uh, <clears throat> the only other solution. Yeah. But because you, you've got it sounds like you've got an awful lot there. So I would only I have, put maybe well, you know, like a couple a inches. Bobcat buried a, a bobcat two years ago buried a whole rabbit, and <laughs> I, I I I saw this thing sticking up under the tree like two Januarys ago when it was cold. I thought it was a stick. I pulled it out. It was a whole rabbit. A, a bobcat oh had actually buried it under there, and I would have never seen it if I hadn't seen mm-hmm. part of the leg sticking up. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So I've got a lot. So. Yeah, so it sure sounds like it. So sounds like you've got your work cut out for you for the come spring when the ground thaws. Okay, so so the roots should be they shouldn't be covered, right? The, these big trees, the roots should not be covered like like I have them. Take it all away, yeah. pretty much, eh? Pre- okay. I would. I mean, you could leave a layer of maybe like a couple inches. It won't hurt them. Uh-huh. But uh, okay. you said you've got 12 to 14. That's an awful lot. Like if you can dis- distribute it and get it away from the trunk of the tree, that's that's very yes. important. Okay, that's what I was thinking. But thanks for telling me that. I needed right, to hear it from somebody. Thank you so much. Thank you for calling, Helen. Have okay. a good afternoon. Yeah, bye. And we are off to the news. It's mostly cloudy and 8 degrees in downtown Calgary. Good morning from Global News. It's 9.30. I'm Megan Cobb. Starting tomorrow, an additional 12 beds will open at the South Health Campus to ease some of the pressure on hospitals caused by COVID-19. 
These are units that were prepared for overflow capacity and will mostly be for patients ready to be discharged but who may need some extra monitoring. There are also plans to open 12 more spaces if they are needed. Meanwhile, additional vaccination measures are now in place for Canadians traveling across the U.S. border. Travelers entering the U.S. via land ports and ferry terminals must now show proof that they are fully vaccinated. The biggest impact will likely be on cross-border truckers. Last week, the federal government brought in a vaccine mandate for truckers entering Canada, and now the U.S. is mirroring that measure. Current Defense Chief General Wayne Ayer's decision not to fire Vice Admiral Craig Baines for golfing with retired General Jonathan Vance last summer has been controversial with victims and survivors of military sexual misconduct. Ayer says he consulted a number of people, including victims and survivors, and was giving the Navy commander a chance to redeem himself and show how to learn, grow, and help the healing process. However, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau and Deputy Prime Minister Christia Freeland say Ayer's decision sent the wrong message to the women in the military. A mix of sun and cloud and 7 degrees today, cloudy and zero overnight. Tomorrow we'll get a few flurries with the temperature hovering around zero, sunny and 8 degrees on Tuesday, and sunshine and 2 on Wednesday. It's 8 degrees. Breaking news when it happens, our next update at 10. I'm Megan Cobb. Welcome back, gardeners. You are listening to 630 Ched out of Edmonton and 770 CHQR out of Calgary. My name is Joe Gadbois from Greenland Garden Center in Sherwood Park, and I'm here with Bob Stadnick, also from Greenland Garden Center. We are filling in for Merle from Spruce It Up Garden Center. For those of you listening in Calgary, Merle will be back next weekend. The numbers to call or text for 630 Ched are 780-496-0063 or toll-free at 1-800-663-0630. And if you're in Calgary calling into 770 CHQR, the numbers are 403-974-8255. And Bob, we had some texts coming in through the Calgary line here, so I wanted to address some of those. The first one is, I have an orange tree my grandchildren started. It's about a foot tall. Wondering if I should snip the terminal so it branches out. I definitely would do something like that. Yes, because uh, orange trees, as a uh, general rule, and that this is this applies to all citrus that, that that you grow indoors. They definitely benefit from being trimmed back. What happens is basically in a lot of, uh, in a lot of cases, you have a lot of these branches that the terminal growth tends to really just shoot right out and mostly horizontally. And, uh, it, you want to definitely head them back. And I would head them back for between a third to a half. And that is also going to promote flowering. So, uh, it, there's a, there's a couple of tricks to get your citrus to flower. Number one is they don't mind being a bit on the root bound side. And number two, they are heavy, heavy feeders. So you have to give them something like a 30-10-10, about once every two weeks, and supplement that with iron. So you can get um, iron chelates. Uh, you mix that with water as well, and you give them a shot of that about once a month. But uh, definitely do not be afraid to uh, trim them back at least a third, even more, depending upon how much growth you've got. 
Great advice there, Bob. And then the next text here from Dwight is, good morning, does injecting milk into the vines of pumpkin plants make them grow larger? Now, I've never heard of this before. I don't know if you can speak to that at all, Bob. I have heard of a lot of different uh, different tricks to, to grow sort of the ultimate giant, Atlantic giant pumpkin. You know, that is something that... Um, yeah, it's very interesting because, uh, you know, uh, in Alberta, we at the Smoky Lake, they always have these uh, uh, competitions who can grow the largest pumpkin. And a lot of these guys do not disclose their secrets. Uh, so it's basically, uh, you know, it's one of those things where uh, they, they claim that, that the milk will uh, definitely uh, help in terms of uh, you, you develop like a wicker system. You take a, uh, some, uh, some thick yarn and you have a container of milk you uh, make a slice just right near the stem of the pumpkin and put that in there and it acts as a wicker uh you know i mean some people some pumpkin growers claim that you know that does work uh the but you know there are uh the key actually is uh if you can get a hold of if you want to grow some really giant pumpkins some uh, mycorrhizal type fungus and um, I can, I honestly cannot tell you where you can find that stuff. Only the pumpkin growers uh, know where you can, you, 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 uh, you can obtain this material. But uh, that is what a lot of them are using. Uh, plus regular water, extremely, extremely important because, because pumpkins are basically, and the squash family are basically all water practically. And uh, they have to have water at all times. They do not like to get stressed out. So they don't like to dry out. They, they like to be consistently moist. And uh, for good fertilizer, something, uh, you know, with a high middle number and uh, as well, something with a high first number when you're really getting them to flower. But the high middle number is what's going to get them to, to bloom and produce the fruit. But as far as uh, the milk uh, idea, I have heard of it. I've seen people do that, and some people swear by it. Other people say, well, you know what? It's just one of those things that um, I've tried. It doesn't work. So, you know, the, but really the mycorrhizal fungus, if you can get a hold of some of that, uh, if you have some uh, buddies that you can scratch their back and say, you know, I can get, uh, you know, can you get me some of this uh, this mycorrhizal fungus for growing the giant, ultimate giant pumpkin, you know, type of thing, that would be your best uh, route to go. See, the mycorrhizal fungus really interests me because that's something that's very well documented in science that helps plants to draw up nutrients and water a lot better. But the problem is getting the correct one because there's specific ones for every type of plant. So very, very interesting stuff there, Bob. Now, the next text here is uh, asking about Himalayan blue poppies, which are a plant that I'm quite interested in. So uh, they say, we tried growing Himalayan blue poppies from seed last year and about half germinated, but did not really grow. We were told they're really hard to grow from seed, but are there any tips you might have for us to try it again, or would it be better to try and find the established plant at a garden center? So the thing, Bob, with uh, Himalayan blue poppies is that they tend to have a low germination rate, right? So that's part of the reason part of the reason why they're a little bit more expensive to buy when you buy them as a potted plant, also because they're very, very slow. So they do require a cold stratification to get them to actually germinate. So you're looking at a couple months of cold treatment, um, and that will certainly make a big difference if you haven't already been doing that. But what I would honestly say is try to source them out as 
a larger potted plant at a garden center, that's probably going to be the easiest way to go for you. Now, I know here at Greenland, we carry even mature blooming size plants, but they can be harder to find at a lot of the garden centers. So down in Calgary, I'm not quite sure where you would get those. You could maybe try Spruce It Up Garden Center. I'm not sure if uh, Merle carries them or not, but uh, call around and see because for one thing, you're going to be waiting a long time to get a blooming size plant growing them from, from seed. Now, the other thing too, Joe, if, uh, if the, uh, a uh, person does have the seed available. If they have some in their hot little hand, you can definitely seed them. And it's like you said, it's a cold stratification, which is uh, really important with them. Uh, keep the temperature about plus 10, dark, and they will germinate within about three weeks' time. They will start to germinate. Problem with them, though, is they germinate very erratically. So you're going to have germination over a period of up to eight eight weeks easily. So it, it gets a little bit, um, a little tough as some of them germinate and some of them are still germinating when it comes to transplanting them. So, uh, but, but the key with, uh, with them is dark and temperatures of about plus 10 and you won't expect any germination until at least the third week. There you go. Yeah. So if you do want to grow them from, from seed, you can certainly try it again. Uh, using Bob's tips there. That's really good. And then we also had another text here out of Calgary saying regarding the spruce needle overload, put an old tarp in the bed of a truck and load in the needles. Probably won't get down to soil mix quickly. Can take it to compost at some dumps. In Calgary, we recommend a light mulch layer of needles over spruce roots because of our dry winds and lack of precipitation. This layer also prevents some pests from crawling up. So yeah, and and like like Bob was saying to the caller, um, having a couple inch layer is fine, but just that you know 13, 14 inches deep is is definitely not healthy there. All right, and just before we go to the break here, we have a text from Leah in Edmonton saying, I have a female staffy mixed dog, and when she uses the bathroom outside on the grass or speaking for now in the snow, come spring and during the summer where she had peed, there is a spot of dead grass, yellow grass. What can we use on our lawn to help regrow or prevent that from happening? Our grass looks silly with many, many spots over time. So yeah, very common issue. And we sell an excellent product here at Greenland to deal with that, which is called Salt Stopper. And all that you do is come spring, you sprinkle that over those areas and water it in, and that will help to get rid of that salt buildup there. All right, so with that, we are going to head over to our sponsor break. Again, if you are listening to, or if you are calling into, rather, 630CHED, the numbers are 780-496-0063, or toll-free at 1-800-663-0630, and for 770-CHQR out of Calgary, the number is 403-974-8255. Stay tuned, we'll be back after this. Good morning and welcome back to the show. You are listening to 630 Ched out of Edmonton and 770 CHQR out of Calgary. My name is Joe Gadbois from Greenland Garden Center. I'm here with Bob Stadnick, also from Greenland Garden Center. And if you're listening out of Calgary, we are filling in for Merle from Spruce It Up Garden Center for this week. He'll be back with you next week. 
And the numbers to call or text for 630-CHED are 780-496-0063 or toll-free at 1-800-663-0630. And for 770-CHQR, it's 403-974-8255. And we have a call from Valerie this morning. Good morning, Valerie. Good morning, Joe. I'm your big fat pumpkin. Uh, As I heard that, uh, I know someone in Smoky Lake, they have a product, farmers use it, it's called Milk Replacer, and it's a powder, you mix it in with water, and you give it to your calves, right? Mm -hmm. But if you've got too much, they inject it into their pumpkins, that's the thing. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, so have you two ever gone to a Safeway Sobeys? We have one in Fort Saskatchewan. I've I've gone to one. I haven't for a while. Okay. Well, at our Safeway Sobeys in the produce department, they have uh, hydroponics, basically. Okay. Yeah, and they're selling herbs, herbs, and there's all kinds of them. But I bought um, some mint, right, for lamb, and it comes in a plug. And it's wrapped in a brown kind of paper thing. So I brought it home and put it in an inch of water to try and save it, right? And then when I pulled it out, it actually has a little black wrapper around the plug. So I took that off. And I planted it in two inch, a two-inch pot of soil. And put it in my kitchen window, which is south-facing. That's not happy with me. So I'm wondering if you have herbs growing in hydroponics, you can't keep them? Well, the interesting thing about hydroponics is that there is a sort of transition period. So whether you're going into hydro from non-hydro or out of hydro uh, into non-hydro, there's a transition period where the plant actually has to produce a new set of roots because in hydroponics, um, the roots are actually specialized for that type of environment. So what's happening is the plant is suffering right now because those roots that it had developed are dying off and they will hopefully be replaced with new roots that are more adapted to the soil culture. Okay, because it had lots of roots. Right. Yeah, so now it probably doesn't. Those those roots are probably dying off. And the key will be to keep the plant quite humid so that the foliage doesn't dehydrate while it develops a new root system. Okay. Okay, super. Thanks, Another Joe. thing that you... Actually, one more thing that you can do, Valerie, in that case is... Um, Next time, if you do get another plug from, you know, from the Sobeys or Safeway, you can actually in during that transition period, what you can do is put it into something like straight pumice or perlite and then do the transfer into soil. That that will sort of help in that during that transitionary period as well. Pumice is very good, actually. Very the, the very fine pumice. Okay. And I, that, that's what I would do. Put it in a small pot, get the roots happening, and then gradually introduce like it into Like a two-inch pot, basically? Exactly. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Super. Hope that helps, yeah. Thanks, Joe. Thank you so much, Valerie. Yeah. Take care. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye.
All right, Bob, so let's take a look and see if we have any more texts here. We do have some coming out of Calgary. Uh, somebody said, good morning, can I grow an actual pineapple from the top of a pineapple from the grocery store or will it just be dry, deadly leaves? Uh, you can actually, that is something that you can do basically just by twisting that top off and putting it into some soil, it will root and grow into a new plant. What you likely won't get is a plant that actually produces pineapples for you. And that's just because um, the pineapples that are field grown to produce pineapples become fairly large plants and they need a lot of sunlight to produce the fruit. So it can be a fun thing to try, but just don't expect to get anything out of it growing it as a house plant. Yeah, and sometimes, Joe, too, we get... Um uh, pineapples that you can grow indoors, just uh, little guys, or maybe about uh, the fruit on them is probably about two to three inches. Uh, those are more geared towards just growing as in, in as as a house plant, and even those guys as well. Once they produce their fruit, basically that they're you treat them like a bromeliad because that's what they are, and uh, you will have. Uh, babies coming down, they're called pups along the outside eventually. If, uh, uh, on the one, say, for example, if you purchase one from your local garden center and it has a bit of a, a fruit on the top and eventually that fruit, you can use it. Yeah, definitely. It tastes good. And, uh, when, once you cut that off, then that's when the pups will start to develop along the side and down and then down the road, you can cut out the, the mother plant that produced the fruit and you'll have something nice and ornamental as far as whether or not it will produce fruit again. And eh, chances are it will not because it, uh, it's, that's a pretty specific, um, uh, it, it requires pretty specific cultural, uh, methods to get it to do that. And meaning, of course, being outdoors, full sun, that sort of thing, a long, long growing season. You betcha, but certainly a fun little thing to try out, a fun novelty thing. For sure. Um, another text that we had says, I heard what you said about fungus gnats thriving in wet soil. I have gnats in an African violet plant and a peace lily. Do the gnats damage the plants, root system, or foliage? Thanks and enjoy your day. Well, thank you very much for your text. Now, with fungus gnats, they are primarily a nuisance pest. You only will see damage on plants when you have a really bad infestation of them. They can occasionally feed on roots, but primarily what they're feeding on is actually fungi that are in the soil, which is why when you have wet soil, when you have old compacted soil, you're going to have a worse fungus gnat issue because those are the conditions that fungi thrive in, which is, again, their primary food source. So yeah, the short answer is you're not likely to see damage from them. And most of the time, the damage that you see on plants that have fungus gnats is actually due to water logging as opposed to um, the gnats themselves. Hence, that's why they're called fungus gnats. You betcha, yeah. Um, and I believe we have a caller on the line who wants to talk about pineapples. Hello. Hi there. Is this Peggy? Yes, it is. How yes, can we help I, you today, Peggy? Yes, I did grow a pineapple. It took me four years to produce a pineapple. Oh, but it did produce a pineapple for you. Yeah, it produced a great big one. Oh, very good. And did you yeah. actually try it? Oh, yeah, it was delicious. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about how you grew the plant? Well, I, I cleaned all the flesh off the top, 
and then I hung it upside down for a week, and then I planted it in soil. Mm-hmm. And it took four years to grow a pineapple. And did you just grow it in your windowsill, or do you have like a sunroom? Or uh, I grew it down at City Hall because I was working down there at St. Albert. Ah. And yeah, and I got a lot of sun. Right. And the plant is now with the Gazette. Oh, is that right? Okay, cool. Yeah. And it's about five feet tall and about five feet around. There you go. Yeah, that's a full-sized pineapple plant. <laughs> yeah, but all it did was produce just one. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's it's uh, probably not realistic to to have something that's going to continuously produce lots of fruit for you. But that's very impressive that you were able to grow that into a full-sized plant and get a delicious fruit out of it. You must have quite a green thumb there. Oh, I do. <laughs> So, oh, good. Yeah, and it uh, it took a lot of patience because it's very slow starting. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Very slow. That's an so, awesome, awesome story, though. Thank you for that, Peggy. Okay, thank you. Have a good day. Take care. You Bye. too. Bye-bye. Yeah, Joe, that's very interesting. I mean, um, you know, you see you see these pineapples like uh, pineapples and uh, growing in rows uh you know when you go down to a place like costa rica and whatnot and then you also see the even agaves too when you go down to mexico you see rows and rows of these giant agaves that they make uh, tequila from and just very very impressive you know to see the plants in their natural environment and then uh to think that we can grow them as a house plant here it's just nothing near what you see when you go to the different countries it's absolutely amazing it's kind of bizarre, really, when you go to a tropical place because you recognize plants that are grown as house plants here being grown in the garden as like a shrub or a tree, right? Like I remember going to Hawaii and seeing crotons that were like eight feet tall. And it, it's it's just like stepping into a totally different world. Um, it's it's really quite fascinating, actually. Or or even just going to the UK and seeing um, some some of the things there that that uh, are just dwarfed by our climate here in their full size. And actually, you don't have to go that far. You can go to Vancouver to see that, right? But that, that's very true. And um, in uh, I'll tell you a story when I was in Florida a couple years back, and um, uh, yeah, and we had the monsteras. They were absolutely massive, and people were stealing them out of other people's yards. <laughs> that's so funny. All right, we have to head to the news. We'll be back right after this. It's mostly cloudy and 8 degrees in downtown Calgary. Good morning from Global News. It's 10 o'clock. I'm Megan Cobb. Additional vaccination measures are now in place for Canadians traveling across the border. Travelers entering the U.S. via land ports and ferry terminals must now show proof that they are fully vaccinated. The biggest impact will likely be on cross-border truckers. Last week, the federal government brought in a vaccine mandate for truckers entering Canada, and now the U.S. is mirroring that measure. Trucking associations are worried this move will impact an already overstressed supply chain. Meanwhile, tomorrow, an additional 12 beds will open at the South Health Campus to ease some of the pressure on hospitals caused by COVID-19. 
The unit is prepared for overflow capacity and will most likely be for patients ready to be discharged, but who may need some extra monitoring. There are plans to open 12 more spaces if needed. The sister of a Calgary man who was stabbed to death in 2020 is angry with what she calls the weak sentence her brother's killer is facing. In October last year, Dave Bodden was hitchhiking on Memorial Drive. Shortly after being picked up, he was stabbed by Renita Wildman, a passenger in the vehicle. The Crown Prosecutor and Defense Counsel put forward a joint submission for a three-year sentence, which when combined with credit for time already served, means Wildman will serve less than 18 more months. Bodden's sister watched the proceedings via video link in disbelief. Putting a murder and repeat violent offender back on the streets in just you know less than a few years I mean, who's going to be the next family member that's going to lose their lives? How is this justice? Wildman admitted to fatally stabbing Bodden and is charged with manslaughter. The judge hearing the case is expected to make a decision on sentencing next month. Alberta Regional Rail is looking to bring back passenger train service to all four corners of the province and perhaps even down to the United States one day. Vern Raincock is the company's director of global sourcing and says one in five Albertans do not have a car, making it more difficult to travel longer distances. We spoke with several people in Wetaskiwin, and often they have to go to Edmonton, Red Deer, Calgary for see a specialist. And um, uh, as a low-income person, they actually have to reach out to um, uh, some nonprofits sometimes just to go mm. see their specialist. So um, it, it, there's more to this than simply um, passenger rail. If funding and a passenger rail authority can be established, they are hoping to get a train on the track by 2030, starting with a route between Calgary and Edmonton. A notice for skiers and snowboarders, Avalanche Canada has issued an avalanche warning throughout southern and western Alberta and into BC. It includes Glacier, Banff, Yoho, and Kootenai National Parks. Avalanche Canada says the warm weather has increased the risk, weakening snowpacks in the regions, and the expanded warning is in effect until Monday. Canada's foreign ministry has advised staff serving around the world to watch for mysterious illness symptoms following unexplained health incidents among diplomats in Cuba and U.S. personnel in various countries. Lori Paris has the details. A newly disclosed briefing note says Global Affairs Canada began briefings in September with senior managers at headquarters in Ottawa, all heads of missions abroad, and partners from other federal departments working at embassies. The note prepared for Foreign Affairs Minister Melanie Jolie in November says a message to all Global Affairs staff was issued on October 7th, outlining the symptoms and how to report concerns. Canadian diplomats and family members posted to Havana, Cuba, have reported difficulties since 2017, including headaches, loss of memory, inability to concentrate, cognitive and vision problems, noise sensitivity, dizziness, nausea, sleep disturbances, mood changes, and nosebleeds. Laurie Paris, the Canadian Press. Taking a look at sports, the Edmonton Oilers snapped a seven-game losing streak with a 5-3 win over the Calgary Flames last night. Matthew Kachuk, Milan Lucic, and Noah Hannafin all scored for the Flames, but the team blew a 2-0 lead after the first and was unable to secure the win after tying the game 3-3. The Flames are back in action tomorrow when they host the St. Louis Blues. Global News Sky Tracker weather. A mix of sun and cloud and will reach a high of 7 degrees today. Partly cloudy overnight, cooling to a low of zero. We'll see a few flurries tomorrow with the temperature hovering around that zero mark and it will be sunny and 8 on Tuesday.
It's 8 degrees at 10.05. Breaking news when it happens. Our next update at 10.30. I'm Megan Cobb. Welcome back to the show. You're listening to 630 Ched out of Edmonton and 770 CHQR out of Calgary. My name is Joe Gadbois. I'm from Greenland Garden Centre in Sherwood Park, and I'm here today with Bob Stadnick, also from Greenland Garden Centre. We are filling in for Merle from Spruce It Up Garden Centre in Calgary this week. So if you're listening to 770 CHQR, Merle will be back with you next week. The numbers to call into the show for 630 Ched are 780-496-0063 or toll free at 1-800-663-0630 or for 770-CHQR it's 403-974-8255 and Bob the Calgary line as far as texting has been a little bit more active over the last little bit uh, we had talked to Dwight earlier about uh, milk injections into pumpkins, and he had another question here. Uh, what are your thoughts regarding colloidal silver for plants? Now, again, this is something I'm not familiar with. What are your thoughts there, Bob? Yeah, I'm not familiar with it I, either. I have heard of uh, people injecting that in with, into, in with plants, but... Uh, as far as uh, scientific proof, what have you, I honestly cannot answer that question. That's, that's a new one on me. All right, very good then. So sorry we couldn't answer that one for you, Dwight. From Anne, uh, she says, my canna lilies are already two feet high have been in a dark, cool area. Help, please. Okay, so if they're two feet high and they're in darkness, I'm guessing they probably have some pretty white-looking growth on them. You will want to bring them into a bright area, um, and the foliage may, you know, just green up for you. It may also end up showing some browning, in which case you can trim it back. The other option, Anne, if you want to hold them back, is just cut them right back now and leave them in that dark, cool area, and they will grow back again um, if you take them out a little bit later in the season. So that's kind of up to you. Of course, if you get them started earlier, they're going to end up being larger plants by the time you take them outside, but they do have fairly high light requirements when you're growing them indoors, so they need to be in a very sunny window. And uh, talking about uh, cannas and anything that you may have sto stored from the last growing season in, in say, a root cellar or your basement or what have you. Uh, I was going to bring this up earlier. This is the time of year to definitely check all of your tuberous begonias, uh, check for any growth on them, check dahlias, callas, cannas, gladiolas, all that kind of stuff. Because uh, if it's uh, this is the time, they're, they're, this is a very critical time, actually, for for those guys simply because of the fact that they could end up being a bit too dry if you haven't checked them up until now definitely take a take a look down there in in if you have them in a root cellar or something to make sure that the tubus roots have not shriveled up and are really uh uh very very light when you when you lift them if they're really that, that they're almost bouncy then you know that they're they're toast because basically they've dried right out on you but uh, this is a good time to check for dryness check for rot check for sprouting that sort of stuff and if uh, like joe said if any of that material is starting to sprout you can chop it back cool it right down you can also at this time if you have for example stored can of the tuberous roots of cannas or dahlias if you store them as an entire clump, 
this is a good time to actually take them out, split them, callous them, and then put them back into storage for probably about another, I'd say, three to four weeks before you start potting them up. So this is an excellent time to check. Uh, tuberous begonias, chances are they may start to sprout here pretty quick because uh, their sprouting uh, season is just around the corner. I know the garden centers, I know us, we will be getting them here within a couple of weeks' time already. So uh, that's uh, this is a really good time to check everything that you've brought indoors, check for pests, check for disease, rot, drying out, all that sort of stuff. For sure, really good advice there. It can be challenging sometimes to store things at the correct temperature so that they're not starting into growth too early. So that's really good uh, advice there, Bob. We had another text coming through the Calgary line saying, last summer I had dew worms that were ruining my lawn. Anything I can do to get rid of these gross worms? The only thing that I really know of um, is just making sure that you're watering your lawn very deeply because that will um, sort of encourage them to stay deeper in the ground. Um, I don't know of any sort of pesticide or anything like that that's going to be um, a good bet for you there, unfortunately. The only other thing would be just keeping your lawn as healthy as possible, aerating it a couple times a year, making sure it's fertilized at the right time and that sort of thing. So uh, the next text here is uh, somebody from Cochrane worried about melting temperatures and young trees. Is there a point we need to water them? I watered them in well during the fall. Thunderchild crabapple and Thompson trees, Russian olive. Really, really good question. And Bob, I'm sure you'll agree that, uh, you know, anytime that you have extreme thaw cycles, like what I would say, what we're seeing right now, where temperatures are five, 10, maybe even 15 degrees above zero, depending on where you are in the middle of the winter, if the soil is dry, definitely water those plants. Um, and this is really important for evergreens in particular. So the texture didn't mention any evergreens there, but really anything that, um, that has dry soil during a midwinter thaw, it's not a bad idea to go out there and soak it really well. As well, Joe, anything that is especially grown around the foundation of your home, that is really, really important. In a lot of cases, a lot of people have cedars, junipers, that sort of thing along the foundation of their homes. And uh, with the type of, so of uh, weather that we've had, particularly down in Calgary area with all the Chinooks and, um, and what have you, uh, it's a really good idea to give everything a good soaking that's around the foundation if the snow is all gone because uh, evergreens are losing moisture consistently even during the winter months um, and particularly it gets really bad come february march because they are a dark color they absorb the sun's rays and it immediately causes the sap to run during the day at night it freezes and the sap is frozen in in the the tissues of the plants and that's what causes come springtime the damage does not show up until later on usually march onwards uh, even april may where you have browning on evergreens and that is just due to the fact that there the moisture is always constantly being brought up but there's no moisture in the ground to replenish that so it's extremely important to to check that uh, should you have uh, no snow around the foundation of your home and particularly if you have evergreens same applies to shrubs and perennials. It will not hurt to give them a quick shot of water. 
Absolutely. So thank you for that question. That was really good. And now we are going to have to head over to our sponsor break. So again, the numbers for 630CHED, 780-496-0063 or 4770CHQR, 403-974-8255. We'll be back after this. Good morning, gardeners. Welcome back to the show. You're listening to 630 Ched out of Edmonton and 770 CHQR out of Calgary. And if you're just tuning in from Calgary, we are filling in for Merle this weekend from Spruce It Up Garden Center. He'll be back with you next weekend. My name is Joe Gadbois from Greenland Garden Center here in Sherwood Park. And I'm with Bob Stadnick, also from Greenland. And if you'd like to call or text into the show, the numbers for 630 Ched are 780-496-0063 or toll free at 1-800-663-0630. And for 770-CHQR, the numbers are 403-974-8255. And Bob, we've got a few callers that are waiting to talk to us. Our first caller is Dallas. Good morning, Dallas. Good morning. Love your show. Thank you. Um, Thank you. I just finished listening to you about the canna lilies and that sort of stuff in storage. So it made me go to my little package full of calla lilies. Mm-hmm. And which I have at the back of up against a wall and quite cool. Well, they're getting sprouts. They're maybe okay. anywhere from a quarter inch to an inch long. Mm-hmm. What do I do with them? Okay, Ken, how big are these clumps that you've got? They're not really clumps. Last year I had some beautiful calla lilies, and uh, these are a couple, three years old, so I had started them in the house. They actually bloomed in the house, a couple of them. When okay. I put them out, because it was such a hot, dry summer, and I had them in pots, I think they kind of dried out. So mm-hmm. I assumed they were dead. And uh, But in the fall, when I was digging and emptying my pots, I dug these out, and there was tons of little calla lilies. So they're about a quarter to a loony size, most of them. Oh, okay. And they're Are all these clean ca- and nice. But now they're keeping, but they're, they're, they've got little tiny sprouts on them. Okay, so are these callas or cannas? Calla. Okay, callas, yes, definitely. Okay, so callas, they have the little bulbs that you've got. Uh, You could actually, you know, I would uh, pot them up and just keep them cool. Put them in soil and let them start to to grow. The minute that you see them, uh, because see, basically you want to plant them uh, roughly about two times the height of the bulb itself. You don't want to put them, you don't want to plant them too deep. Yep. Uh, kind of goes against the 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 three times rule with uh-huh. uh, put, putting outdoors like your tulips and daffodils and that sort of thing in the fall. But mm-hmm. uh, these these guys uh, plant them about two times the, the height of the de- of the uh, bulb, and uh, just gently uh, uh, poke them into the soil and keep them as cool as you possibly can. Mm-hmm. For now, the minute you see light? the sprouts coming out of the soil, then put uh-huh. them in full full sun. If you have an area in full sun and it's cool, that's where you would want to grow them because you don't want to, you don't want them to grow too fast. Uh, mm-hmm. If you put them on heat, they will just take right off on you and you'll have these real spindly looking things. So you want to make sure that you um, totally just keep them as cool as you possibly can when they start to sprout because you, they're, they're actually at a good stage right now because you should have 
callas that are probably going to be, I'd have to say, oh, about four or five inches tall come, say, by the end of March or so, if you do them oh, now. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. So you figure I can slow them down that much. I do have one room that has very little heat in it, and it's due south. Yeah, that would be perfect. Just a bright sun, but as cool as you possibly can keep them. That's the uh -huh. main thing. Sometimes even if you have a, a basement window that faces south or something, you know, put them right in there where it's really, really cool. And that will hold them back somewhat. The only thing is you want to make sure that you don't overwater them. Just give them a quick shot of water and just leave them until Can the next time. Can I expect time. they would bloom this year as small as they I are? A lot of it, it depends upon the size of them. You said the uh, the tubers themselves are roughly, what, about a, the size of a loony? Yeah, a quarter to a loony size. Yeah, much that... Smaller. Those... Like when I put them in originally, they were much bigger. Right, uh, yeah. But then, like they I may said, not... I, I thought I'd lost them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, don't, I have a feeling they may not flower for you this year. Yeah, because uh, the the um, the tuber itself should be at least a couple inches across. But saying yeah. that, you can grow them on as like a regular house plant. You can size them up, you can fertilize them, and then mm -hmm. you may not have flowers this year, but you'll have flowers next year. So if you want to go through through that uh, that process, you can do that. Yeah, because I thought it was they, worth keeping them because they're so mm -hmm. terribly expensive. They can be, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but no, I would just grow them on, and uh, you could put them into say uh, to start them start them off early. You can plant them like in a four inch pot, but maybe two or three that size into a four inch pot, so you get a nice big fat clump there. Make sure yeah. you fertilize them probably about every two to three weeks with something like a high middle number. That mm -hmm. will definitely uh, encourage the uh, tubers to to plump up, so that you'll have some good sized ones for for the next garden gardening season, not this year, but the following. Do they like uh, fairly moist soil? They do. They do like moist soil, yeah, but not sopping wet either. So mm -hmm. it's you want to keep them consistently moist. That's what they prefer. They do not like it to be too, too wet. And the soil that you're using them or that you use for them, make sure that you add, if you have, say, uh, tropical houseplant soil, if you have a bag of that, add about 50% perlite or 50% pumice to that oh. mix because you want it to really drain freely. You do not, yep. because those, those tubers can rot if the soil stays too wet too long. So you want to make sure that when you water it, the water runs out of the bottom immediately, take the water, dump it out, and and you're, you're set. Mm -hmm. That's probably what happened to me last year. And because my soil was too heavy, they got wet, mm -hmm. they grew on. But mm -hmm. then the trick was they dried out completely because it was so terribly hot last summer. That's and right. I gave yeah. up on them because I just thought they were all dead. <laughs> so. Yeah, that happens. And callas, as a rule, during hot weather, they do not like hot weather, so they just go dormant. You know, almost they sure immediately. did. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's that's but their. I, I did that's lose part of their... the big tubers. Yeah, but yeah. Anyhow, they, what, what happened they is they split. I guess so. They must have. Yeah. I was I was astonished when I dug them up. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. but yeah, anyhow, now I probably have instead of maybe six, I have thirty. Wow, we can give some away to your family and friends. I'll have to. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, thank you very, very much. All right, thank you for calling. Yep, bye-bye now. Bye. And in keeping with that theme of, uh, you know, overwintering tubers and that sort of thing, we have a call from Carol on tuberous begonias. Good morning, Carol. Uh, 
yes, good morning. Uh, my question is on uh, tubers for non-stop begonias. Uh, last year and the previous summer as well, I had quite a number of beautiful non-stop begonias, and I last fall, I thought I would save and store the tubers over winter to start them in spring. However, much to my surprise, when I lifted the plants, there were no tubers in the soil. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, that is very, that, the nonstop begonias, unfortunately, they don't develop a decent sized tuber for storing for down the road because they're, they're very, very small. And a lot of times you just rot right out. So you're almost better off if you want to store tubers, you want to buy the actual tubers themselves from your local garden center. That's really important. And then you start those and then those will definitely, uh, those, those are keepovers and from year oh. to year. Non, non-stops are basically a bedding out plant, uh, that bedding out type variety. And it's a one season thing. End of the season, you basically throw them out. Some people will try to keep the tubers, but they're so dismally small. It's almost not worth it, to be honest. Okay, I didn't, I didn't recognize any tuber whatsoever, just roots in the soil, and I was wondering mm-hmm. if they were star, if they were uh, propagated by leaf cuttings or something in the greenhouse. Yeah, no, they're actually done from seed. I'm sorry, what was that? They're, they're actually done from seed. Oh, they are done from seed. All right, that's so, right. Um, yeah. So I would be able to buy um, tubers, begonia tubers, in say uh, a greenhouse. They actually sell the tubers. That is correct. Mm-hmm. But not yep. for the non-stop begonias. That's right, yeah. Okay, thank you very much. All right, thank you for calling. Have a good day. Bye. Bye. And those begonia tubers, as you mentioned before, Bob, will be available in garden centers in just the next couple of weeks because it is something that you want to start in uh, February. So, all right, we're going to head over to the news break. Stay tuned. We'll be back after this. Health officials on the provincial and federal level are again urging Canadians to get their COVID-19 booster shots. They say it's clear that those with three doses of a vaccine have much better protection against serious illness or hospitalization from the virus. Many provinces require full vaccination to access certain non-essential businesses, travel and other activities, and federal officials have changed their own terminology, referring to a third dose as being up-to-date on vaccinations. Meanwhile, additional vaccination measures are now in place for Canadians traveling south. Travelers entering the U.S. via land ports and ferry terminals must now show proof that they are fully vaccinated. There's an avalanche warning issued throughout southern and western Alberta and into B.C. It includes Glacier, Banff, Yoho and Kootenai National Parks and has been extended to the South Rockies and Lizard Range regions. Avalanche Canada says there are persistent weak layers in mountain snowpacks in the regions and the warm weather has increased the risk. Experts say wildfires, sweltering heat and extensive flooding throughout southern BC last year have underscored the importance of building resilience against the effects of climate change in the agriculture sector. Sean Smuckler, the chair of Agriculture and Environment at the University of British Columbia, says the province is ahead of the curve thanks to a government-funded climate and agriculture initiative launched in 2013. But BC's efforts to adapt have been incremental when they should be urgent. A mix of sun and cloud, but the temperature won't change too much from where we're at right now. Cloudy and zero overnight, a few flurries tomorrow with the temperature holding steady around zero. 
It's 9 degrees. Breaking news when it happens, our next update at 11. I'm Megan Cobb. Good morning, gardeners. Welcome back. You're listening to 630 Ched out of Edmonton and 770 CHQR out of Calgary. My name is Joe Gadbois from Greenland Garden Centre here in Sherwood Park. I'm here with Bob Stadnick, also from Greenland. And if you're listening to 770 CHQR, we are filling in for Merle from Spruce It Up Garden Centre this week. Merle will be back with you next week. The numbers to call for 630 CHED are 780-496-0063 or toll free at 1-800-663-0630. And for 770 CHQR, it's 403 974 8255. And we've got a call from Allie, who's been waiting patiently to talk to us about fruit. Good morning, Allie. Good morning. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm great. Thanks. Uh, yeah, so my question is, I want to do some experimenting, and I'm just curious if maybe you guys know if it's going to work or a better or a way to do it. I would like to cut off some branches. I have some black currants, I have dosaberry, I have raspberries, I have Saskatoon. And I would like to be able to root them in the house to plant them somewhere else. Like, because I have to move and I, it's too frozen to dig them out. Okay. So I want to bring them with me, but I, I don't know how. <laughs> okay. So there's, there's many different methods that you can use for that. I'll tell you the one that I personally think is kind of the easiest, and then I'm, I'm sure Bob will add his thoughts. Um, with all of those, they should root pretty readily from us from like a, a, a soft or semi-soft wood cutting. So if you wait until kind of uh, April when the buds are starting to swell, and mm -hmm. if you take a cutting that's maybe, say, something like four to six inches long and cut it just below where there's a bud, um, stick that into some probably number two rooting hormone and then put that into either some really free-draining potting soil or better yet, like a rock wool cube that is designed for rooting in and then, okay. uh, you know, keep that moist and cover it with some clear plastic or something like that and uh -huh. put it into a sort of shaded location somewhere out of direct sunlight but not in the dark and okay. it will probably take several weeks for those guys to root out for you but uh -huh. if you're taking the cuttings at that time of the year they're going to want to grow so they're more likely to root for you versus if you're doing it in the winter um, a lot of propagators will do winter cuttings but i think for the average person it's easier to do it in early spring and uh, just, you know, make sure to check them now and then to make sure they aren't rotting or anything like that. But after a few weeks, they should start to root out. And, um, you know, once you have good rooting on those, you can then pot them up. And by that stage, you know, you would definitely want to have them uh, outside as they're sort of leafing out and growing rather than keeping them indoors. They'll do much, much better if they're kept outside um, and will end up being stronger plants in the long run. But the key is transferring them from essentially what you've 
created a plug out of in rooting them into a pot, like say a four and a half inch or one gallon pot, and then letting okay. them root in that pot and then planting them in the ground once you're ready to do so. And I could do that in one season, you think? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the only thing I might add to that, Joe, would be um, you can also use uh, something like, uh, and I'm I'm a real advocate here for pumice. I love that stuff for rooting, and okay. and uh, pumice is like a like almost like a volcanic rock, basically is what it is. But you can get it very fine, so it looks almost mm-hmm. like sand, and uh, that stuff is really really good for uh, any kind of hardwood cuttings. Like uh, for example, if you're doing, you know. Um, Things like cherry trees as well, apples, uh, Saskatoons, that kind of thing. Uh, really, really good for that sort of stuff. And uh, what some some growers do is they will actually harvest uh, what's called the scion wood, which is the the cutting wood. They mm-hmm. will hi- they will uh, harvest that sometimes even uh, in the fall, like November, December. Store it in uh, really like in a fridge crisper or something for a period of time. But like Joe said, it's better. Uh, to take your cuttings on the material as as it, you can see that they're starting to butt out because you want to the they you know the energy is there they really want to grow and the rooting will be much much faster if you uh, take the cuttings in the spring versus in the fall so uh, I just uh, wait till probably about the end of March beginning of April something like that it's going to depend upon our weather and uh, when you see the buds are starting to swell the temperatures are warm that's when you want to take your cuttings okay well funny thing is is i live in calgary and mm-hmm. my block current is showing signs of budding already wow because it's up in the garage yeah and see and that's yeah that could yeah see you can actually uh if you wanted um see that because the weather i mean let's face it uh winter's not over so you know uh, i would still wait till about march or so it, Depend, depending upon what your temperatures are going to be like in Calgary going forward here, because mm-hmm. uh, that will definitely make make a big difference as to when you take the cuttings. You want to do them when the buds are starting to swell. So, okay. um, you know, it's still, I'd say, a little bit early. I mean, but you can yeah. take your cuttings now if you wish, but it, but you don't have to. Well, I have a lot, so I could probably take some now and, and some later and, and give it a try with different mediums as well that's a great idea that's a great idea yeah and then uh then you'll know for sure for future reference definitely that's a great idea well thank you so much for your uh answers and and for the pumice i have one more question do you how do you because it's like a rock right so water is just going to run through it do i have to keep it hydroponic like keep water in a basin underneath it or no not necessary water just a week like i do soil Yeah, probably once a week. Just check it uh, frequently, because the water will be trapped between the between the individual uh, little rock that's in there. Uh, It'll stay moist. Yeah, and and I'll feel the moisture with my finger. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's like sand. It's like sticking your finger into uh, into wet sand. Okay, and how much do I let it dry out? Like a regular soil, two inches, or Uh, probably about in this case, probably about an inch or so. The main okay. thing is you want to make sure that the, uh, the there is moisture there at all times. And by putting a plastic over the top, that definitely will help a lot. And I, ha- and I plant it in a pot with drainage, right? That is definitely right, yes. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. That was very grateful information. All right. Great. Thanks for calling, Allie. Have a good day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye.
All right. Yeah, really, really good question there. And I just want to comment on it is it's it's not unusual for a lot of shrubs and and other, you know, woody plants when it is this warm in the winter for the buds to start to swell, but they won't fully open until they get that final signal that, okay, it's actually springtime, right? So um, just kind of wanted to comment on that. And before we go to the break, we should try to do a couple of texts here, Bob. Uh, Shelly had texted in asking if Greenland will have online shopping and ship tubers such as begonias this year. So I can comment on that because I'm kind of in charge of the, the online shopping here at Greenland. Um, right now, the online store is under maintenance. We've been kind of delayed due to the usual things in this current point in history. <laughs> But uh, we're hoping to have it up and running in the next week or so. We'll have a really good selection of tropicals, seeding supplies. We'll have seeds on there uh, shortly after we launch as well. As far as tuberous begonias, um, we will have to see how much supply we end up having, whether or not we actually put them online. And as far as shipping goes, we probably won't ship anything perishable just because we are still sort of... Um, refining our online shopping experience and we need to have a good shipping solution set up before we start shipping perishable goods so for the time being it's just going to be things like we'll we'll probably ship seeds because those should be safe to uh, ship and uh, non-perishable goods so uh, hopefully that answers your question there Shelley and we are going to head over to the next sponsor break. So the numbers to call for 630-CHED, 780-496-0063, or for 770-CHQR, 403-974-8255. We'll be back after this. Good morning, gardeners, and welcome back to the show. You're listening to 630 Ched out of Edmonton and 770 CHQR out of Calgary. My name is Joe Gadbois from Greenland Garden Centre here in Sherwood Park, and I'm with Bob Stadnick today, also from Greenland. If you're listening in Calgary, we are filling in for Merrill from Spruce It Up Garden Centre. Sorry, Merle from Spruce It Up Garden Centre. Where did that come from? Merle. Uh, and he will be back with you next week. The numbers to Call for 630-CHED or 780-496-0063 or toll-free at 1-800-663-0630. If you're calling into 770-CHQR, it's 403-974-8255. Just wanted to talk a little bit about what's going on here at Greenland these days. Uh, Bob, we've been very busy with tropicals. Of course, after the Christmas season, we make the big switch. So we're building our indoor tropical garden, which we do every year. It's not always tropical, but it has been tropical the last few years. So that's well underway and starting to uh, shape up. And uh, you've got in a huge shipment of tropicals. And if you're interested in learning about tropicals, visit our website at greenlandgarden.com. Check out our YouTube channel, which is Greenland Garden. We've got such a great um, library of information on all kinds of gardening, including houseplants. And Bob, your selection is amazing. Yeah, thank you, Joe. Yeah, you're right. Uh, first off, kudos to you for the garden. I mean, it looks as it's looking, it's really, really coming into fruition right now. It's looking amazing. And thank you. I think thank you it's, very much. Uh, I must say, it's probably one of the best designs we've had. 
you know, over the years. Uh, so yeah, getting back to, uh, some of the material that was brought in, uh, I've got a lot of very interesting things. Uh, there's, there's, a uh, line of, uh, I guess you could call them, um, they're, they're called strings of things. So basically it's, it's like a, like, a all these succulents that are, they're very stringy, they hang, they're in a hanging basket. And, uh, so we're, we're talking things like your, a uh, string of uh, pearls, for example. Uh, we have got the uh, the traditional ones, and these are all succulents, by the way. So they have to have full sun, and they like dry soil. So that to be to have uh, success in growing those things, that is the main the main criteria. Now these guys, uh, uh, we are actually very lucky to get these uh, because there's uh, there's a lot of we've got probably about eight nine different varieties of these strings. You've got string of dolphins. Uh, string of pearls, both the variegated form and the uh, non-variegated form. Same with uh, string. Uh, the string of hearts is another one. We have both the variegated and the non-variegated in stock at the present time. St uh, strings of blimps, for example, is another one. Fish hooks is another one, which is a type of belongs to the kind of stringy family. So those are really interesting. Uh, that's the first time that we've ever had a good supply of those and they are flying out very, very quickly. They're, they're just, they're amazing. So if you have a really hot, dry area, that's, those are very, very little maintenance on them. And the other uh, plant that I must say I really, really am in, am intrigued with are bonsai jade plants. Now, these have got an actual trunk. They're in a nice uh, kind of a terracotta type bowl. And they've got the beautiful bonsai shape. So these guys have been trained from young to be uh, good subjects down the road for bonsai. We also have some starter bonsai jades, which are, they've got the, um, the string and they've got the, uh, the stakes to, to train them so that they will, and then you take them home and you, train them to whatever uh, way you like them, you would want them to look. So those are in stock at the present time. So that's something that we've never carried before. And uh, these are really, really cool. I mean, these things are, uh, I'd say about anywhere from five to 10 years old, depending on the size. And they have a trunk in some cases, as much as two inches across at the base. So they're a very, um, uh, it's something really unique. And again, with jades too, they like it sunny, they like it dry. And uh, if you have a spot like that in your home, they're just, they're ideal. So that's just a couple of things. And we've got variegated uh, Boston ferns in stock, uh, curly lipstick plants in stock, which is totally different. They've got the intense red flowers. There's a lot of a really good selection at the present time. For sure. It's, it's probably my second favorite time of the year when we bring in all, all these tropicals after, of course, spring when the perennial season gets ushered in. Um, wanted to give a quick shout out as well to Spruce It Up Garden Centre in Calgary. I know that they carry a great selection of tropicals and everything that, that you need for gardening as well. And for Jen sure. from... Uh, spruce it up was also able to confirm for me that they do carry Himalayan blue poppies in their perennials area in the spring. We had been talking about those earlier in the show. So thank you, Jen, for that. If you're in Calgary and you want uh, a plant of Himalayan blue poppy, they do carry it over at Spruce It Up. And before we end the show, Bob, we are pretty behind on text, so we'll try to get through as many of those as we can. We've got about five minutes left here. Now, back at 10 o'clock, somebody had texted in a photo of an alocasia that somebody gave them. It's got some browning on it. They're just wondering uh, what they should do to save it. 
Yeah, unfortunately, that uh, that is that is a fungal issue that um, that based upon the picture that that's what it has. Uh, phew, when it gets to that stage, there really is not too much one can do. Uh, you can try using something like a, like a copper spray on it, but there again, uh, there's no guarantees that that's going to treat it. But that is definitely fungal, and uh, it's like a bacterial, or, or sorry, it's a it's a definitely fungal, and it's got the uh, the uh, yellowing on the outside, which indicates that uh, you know, and it, and it's spreading on the leaves. So the only thing at this point is to remove the leaf, and you it. There's actually brought on by the soil being kept or the plant being kept a little bit too wet. And sometimes uh, fungal issues will happen on houseplants if you water them in the evening. So it's always a good idea. A little tip here, water your houseplants preferably in the morning during the wintertime. That's, that is a very, very important tip on certain genera of plant. Some plants, it doesn't make any difference, but others it does. Now, an interesting thing about alocasia is that they actually grow from a tuber. And um, so if this plant, let's say in the event that you lose all the foliage on this plant, maybe the root system has rotted. If the tuber survives intact and the tuber is not rotting, you can actually save that tuber and try to get the plant to grow again. Alocasia, a lot of the time in the winter when they're stressed out, will actually go dormant anyway and drop all of their leaves. So in that case, you would just leave that tuber dry for about six to eight weeks and then start it up again, pot it up into some fresh soil and it should be fine. So that's a possibility as well, assuming that the tuber isn't rotting, right? So. Yeah, that's right, Joe. Yeah, that's a very good point. Uh, we have another text here from uh, from Edmonton. It says, uh, and this is a very interesting one, and I've run into this before with, with uh, people coming into the store and asking um, this specific question about spider plants. And uh, the um, text reads, I have a spider plant that does not produce any spiders. It's fairly root-bound, about four years old. During that time, I've only had one spider early on, but nothing since any suggestions. See, and that, that a lot depends upon the variety of spider plant. Some of them, because there's, uh, it, you know, when you look at a spider plant, you only think, oh, it's just, you just got the very good one, you got the plain green one. But there actually are, I would say, 25 to 30 different varieties of spider plants. And some of them, it's almost like aloe vera. You're going to run into the same thing with aloe vera. Some of them produce tons and tons of babies. Others don't. So it all depends upon the, the specific species of spider plant that you have. Some of them don't need to produce tons and tons of babies. Others are a real pain because you've got these constant babies being produced and you're always being, you're always cutting these things back. So nothing to worry about. It's just specifically the variety that you have. You betcha. And then we had another text here saying, what are your thoughts on winter sowing? What herb slash vegetable and flower seeds do you recommend that would work with this method? Are the plants that much better off versus starting them earlier indoors? Well, my take on all this is you really don't gain that much growth if you seed something in January versus seeding something in March. If, and we've done it here in the greenhouse as a, you know, just as an experiment numerous times. And if you seed something in March, 
It, it will catch up in no time flat as whatever you've seeded in January. So things like uh, what herbs? Good question. You can try basil. As the, as the days get longer, you can try basil for sure. You can grow thyme. You can grow the mints. Mints germinate very, very freely. Vegetable-wise, you can go with spinach, chard. You could do lettuce. You can do radishes indoors. There's a lot of uh, different vegetables that uh, one can grow um, it's like, like right now, microgreens as well. Microgreens, very, very healthy. Uh, throw them in your salads. Really, really good stuff for you. So though that would be one that you can definitely, uh, uh, grow throughout the winter months. As a matter of fact, just keep adding them to your salads. And do we have time for another text here, Joe, real quick? Uh, dropper honeysuckle and clematis, the grown last year's growth are the equally hardy. I want to plant one or both, uh, on an arbor sunning location. Yeah, both are good the dropper honeysuckle. And if you're going to go uh, with uh, growing a clematis, you want to go with the alpine types or the big petal types, the real hardy wild types. I agree. Both really good choices and they require fairly minimal pruning. As long as you're pruning them lightly each year or every couple years, you can keep them looking super nice and healthy. So thank you so much to everybody for listening to the show, calling in, texting in. We appreciate it and enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Bye for now.